0: Hey everyone. Before we start the episode today, I just wanted to start with a trigger warning. We are going to be discussing topics of sexual violence, gender-based violence, and sexual assault in today's episode. If you require support now or ever, please reach out to Fanshawe's Sexual Violence Prevention Advisor, Leah Marshall at lkmarshall at welcome to the Interabang podcast i'm your host hannah theodore and welcome to the sex episode this is a companion podcast to our recently released sex issue of Interabang, available on newsstands right now we've got an amazing guest with us today but first let's talk about the news this week London Police have opened an investigation into reports of sexual assault in Western's Medsid residents. The London Police Service have not received any official reports regarding incidents of assault at Medway Sydenham Hall this weekend, but have opened an investigation based on the seriousness of the allegations circulating on social media. This all started last Friday when various young women on TikTok began posting about an apparent series of sexual assaults involving up to 30 girls. Four formal reports of sexual violence were made to the university that weekend, but investigators are still trying to piece together if they are related to the claims made on social media. In the meantime, Western has beefed up security at on-campus residences and stated that they are taking the allegations extremely seriously. The university has reportedly facilitated some arrests already and some students have been removed from residence. Police and Western are both imploring the public to come forward with any additional information in regards to the case. They have continually said there is much here that remains unknown. We'll be talking about this a bit more later in the show. Meanwhile, some new vending machines on campus are helping encourage safe sex with a goal of removing the stigma around purchasing intimate items. Sexual health vending machines can be found in the Student Center as well as Falcon House. The vending machines hold several run-of-the-mill pharmacy items including soap, toothpaste, and Tylenol, but Sexual Violence Prevention Advisor Leah Marshall wanted to push things a little further. These machines also come equipped with condoms, menstruation products, dental dams, and pregnancy tests. All the products are available at cost, making the machines a great resource for students who might be struggling financially. Marshall says her hope down the line is to have more of these machines accessible across campus. For even more news, visit theinterabang.ca and make sure to pick up your copy of Interabang on newsstands right now. Now onto our guest for this week. Sexual Awareness Week is right around the corner. This is an amazing week-long event focused on all things sex education sex positivity sexual awareness and of course sexual health but there are some moments where we have to talk about why events like these that work to destigmatize sex in our society are so important because if we don't stories like what we heard out of western this week will continue to happen as they have continued to happen for years before I'm super privileged to be able to welcome Fanshawe's Sexual Violence Prevention Advisor to the podcast today. Leah Marshall, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Hannah. Thank you so much for being here. I'm always so happy to talk to you and to see your face, but you know, unfortunately, I don't think we can really dive into anything here before first talking about what's happening at Western University this week. Um, What have you heard on your end and what do you make of this story?
1: I think we need to acknowledge that there is an impact for all of us in our communities, um, for our Fanshawe students, reading um, information and disclosures of sexual violence and gender-based violence online. And when we are reading those stories, Um, many of us are impacted by that information. And from my perspective, in terms of the support, the confidential support that we offer students is that survivors always should decide um, and have the power to decide what steps they take next and what healing looks like for them. We've talked about many times before, but sexual violence is not about sex. It's about power and control. And, um, we really need to think about how we are responding to these stories, how we're responding to the people in our lives that are impacted by them, because it shows people where we stand in, tor- in terms of supporting survivors and acknowledging that this isn't impactful for only for people currently experiencing violence, but for those of us in, that have had these experiences in the past and that's why we want students to know that their they're supports no matter when this has happened and that they're not alone in feeling the impact of reading these messages.
0: Yeah, I think the online piece is really interesting here. And I want to talk a little bit about the role that social media played in, in breaking this story. And, you know, in this case, it was what led to what is now a large scale investigation involving police. Why, I guess just like, why do you think that is? Because I feel like even five years ago, comments made on social media would not have had this level of, you know, attention brought to them.
1: Well, many years ago with the Me Too movement, Tarana Burke, um, who started the Me Too movement um, for young girls in her community um, that she was working with who wanted to feel solidarity and validation in speaking about experiences of sexual violence and gender-based violence, it allowed an option to feel connected to others in those experiences and to know that you're not alone. And um, a lot of our lives revolve around using social media and um, especially since COVID, many other aspects of our lives have moved online. And so, when we experience sexual violence, we do have the choice to decide who we share that information with. And um, and so whether that be through disclosing to a confidential support and finding out what your options are, whether that be making a formal report to police or campus security services, or whether that be sharing that with your broader network, um, it's really, it's, it's in the hands of survivors to decide how they share that information. And I think as a, as a community, it's, it's always really about how we respond in terms of acknowledging that we support survivors and we want them to access whatever supports or pathways forward feel best for them. Yeah,
0: I've been really, I mean, I've been noticing the response because at this point, I feel like there's a lot that is unconfirmed, a lot that we don't know, but there is more effort being put forward, I think, by the institutions to say, we hear you, we support you, here's what you can do while we kind of get to the bottom of this situation.
1: I think it's an important moment in time for us to recognize that sexual violence is an epidemic and it's happening in all of our communities um, and all not just on post-secondary campuses, although we know rates of sexual violence are high on post-secondary campuses, and it's something we talk about quite frequently in in our prevention and support education on campus. Um, Sometimes I think um, it's important to acknowledge these moments in time because it's, it's at the forefront of people's thinking that this is something that students everywhere are contending with and feeling the impact of every school year. Um, and so we want to acknowledge that I think that's why you see a, the responsive support is that we want to let students know that there are positions on their campuses and and many across um, Ontario um, that are specifically put in place to ensure that students know what their rights and options are um, and so that they they can decide what they do next.
0: You mentioned this like the epidemic nature of sexual violence. And, you know, I see a lot of people going about this Western situation, like how, how could this happen? You know, why did this happen? I can't believe something like this could ever happen. And, you know, I, I find that a little surprising having been a student at Western. Uh, meanwhile, folks like yourself who've really dedicated their lives to understanding sexual violence. And I don't wanna speak for both of us, but I, I know that for me, um, It's been happening. It has always been happening. What do you think when you hear people express shock at incidents like this?
1: Yeah, I think for some people it's not at the forefront. Um, And so, as you mentioned, Obviously, in certain roles, we're going to see and have more knowledge of, of this type of violence, whether we work in the community and sexual violence services, or whether we specifically work in counseling services, um, where we're supporting students and in all different institutions across London. Um, so I think it's, it's just, it's a moment to take pause and to acknowledge that we all have survivors in our lives. Um, and if someone hasn't told you they're survi- they're that they're a survivor, it might be because they don't feel safe telling you. And and we all do decide who we get to share that information with, how much information we share, or none at all. Um, but how we act in in the face of receiving information that people have experienced violence, and where we place that blame, and. And how we offer support really tells the people in our lives that have experienced this type of violence, if we are a safe person and if we are someone that they can come to. And, and so I, I would say, if it's not something that's been at the forefront of your mind, it's a good opportunity to think about how you will respond, how you will speak about sexual violence, how you will talk about not just believing survivors, but standing with survivors and and acknowledging that there's change needs to happen at a lot of different levels. And, and um, it's, you know, it's really important to, I think, see that that big picture, um, and that we we all have a role to play in in really making um, really, I guess, change that 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 takes hold change that is actually going to be, you know, consistent and, and have an impact on even the small circles of control that we have of the people in, in our lives
0: the shows of solidarity that i've seen out of western already have been for me like really impactful and moving um you know in solidarity with survivors of sexual violence um that being said you know one of the things that western is doing now is you know they've they've talked about increasing security and and stuff like that but you know, again, just like speaking from experience, it seems to me, that, and and like you were just saying, that this is something that requires a serious like culture shift. Um, so how, like, how do you even begin to change that
1: culture? It's a good question. I think it's it's there's not one one answer. There's not like one size fits all for um, working towards preventing gender-based violence. I I think we can definitely talk about specifically what we're doing on our campus and, um, and the work that students are doing. Um, Students have such strong voices. And, um, and I, I think sometimes acknowledging like the power that there is in student voice for change. Um, And so um, I think it's a, it's a definitely a multi-pronged approach. So it's looking at how we talk about sex, And how we talk about bodily autonomy, how we talk about pleasure, how we talk about sexual health, how we talk about um, privilege and power and racism and sexism and homophobia and ableism. Um, There's a lot of intersections that happen um, that keep systems of oppression in place. Um, And so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be like, coming from multiple spaces and places and um I think the first step is knowledge and acknowledgement of the rates of gender-based violence on post-secondary campuses across Canada the rates of gender-based violence in our communities um, and our cities that you know if this isn't home other cities and places across Canada may be students homes and and that these, this type of violence is happening everywhere, and so the understanding of the prevalence, the understanding of rape culture um you know the the binarizing of gender, all the things that feed into keeping people oppressed and trying to keep that power over and so it's bigger conversations about how we look at all of those things and and that's where i I say that we kind of all have different spaces to be able to do that, whether it's in our personal lives or in the fields that we're going into like yourself in your field having that voice and to be able to project the message and and bring awareness and attention and knowledge to people um, but we're also so fortunate at college that we have students that are going into all different disciplines and having that knowledge and taking that into your workplaces no matter where you end up is is really important for fundamental change
0: now, looking looking specifically at the college, I know yesterday, um, Fanshawe did put out a statement, um, including your contact information and where students can reach out to you. Have there been discussions about what steps the college is taking in response to this to, you know, further help protect students living in res um, or, you know, or beyond? I know you're already doing so much work, but have there been conversations about you know, directly responding to, um, what has happened at Western.
1: I think it's the beginning of the school year and we want students to know what services are available anyway. And Mm -hmm. that, um, and that's, we would be putting out this messaging, like you said, about what's available to new students the same way as, um, we would any other year. I think it's also, again, I think the, the thoughts around, we know that our, our students in our community are reading about what's happening online and reading about, reports of sexual violence and gender-based violence. And as I mentioned before, that's really impactful. And students can feel perhaps triggered or alone in reading some of that messaging. And so um, it's Im- it's important, I believe, to allow students to know that there is not one option for support, there is multiple. And um, that looks like myself in the sexual violence prevention role providing that confidential support that looks like counseling and accessibility services which is available to students that looks like our student health center if that's a better fit for students Um, as well as our community organizations that maybe are a bit more specific or a different or better fit for students so whether that be regional sexual assault and domestic violence treatment program at st joe's anova reach out at losa um, we are fortunate in London to have many organizations available to support students um, in a confidential um, way. That's also obviously um, free. <laughs> Just, these are free services, and that's always something important, I think, for students to know, too. Um, and so it's, the messaging is really to ensure that students know if you're impacted by this, you're not alone. You're not alone in being impacted by reading disclosures and reports of sexual violence and gender-based violence. And so how can we, It's for some students, it's their first or second week in London. It's their first week on campus. They might not know what's available to them. And so it's very important to get that information out there so that students can you know, decide maybe not accessing it today or tomorrow, but they have the information if they do decide to access it down the road.
0: I want to ask you one more question about this topic because honestly, it was just something I was seeing online and I really just wanted to get your take on it. Um, There was some outcry that I was reading about Western's use of the term gender-based violence. I don't know if you saw this, but people, the comments were saying, you know, call it what it is you know, use, use the word rape, say the word that it is. Um, w- there are obviously lots of reasons why they can't do that or, you know, why they shouldn't necessarily do that at this point, but I'm curious where you think that, that out- outrage comes from. Why is it that people want, want the institutions to use that term and and be, and be more blunt about it?
1: I, I guess I, I can't, comment on why other people would would ask for that but what I can say is that we use the term sexual violence because it's more inclusive Um, the term sexual violence is an umbrella term that covers much more than just physical acts of sexual violence and which would be like sexual assault so when you hear the term sexual assault or sexual harassment those are legal terms so if you were to report to the police that would be what someone would be charged with if it fell under those two categories. When we educate about sexual violence at Fanshawe, we use the term sexual violence because it is uh, an umbrella that holds many more acts. So, and and we know that an act of sexual violence doesn't have to be physical to have an impact on someone. Um, It's, sometimes we hear a lot of, um, things getting, you know, compared, or oh, it wasn't that bad, because it wasn't this. Mm-hmm. And that's really unfair to survivors, because survivors actually get to decide what was the impact of that violence for them? What, what made them feel unsafe? And so I would give you the example of if I went into a classroom and someone made a, homo- a homophobic slur towards me, um, I might not feel safe <laughs> to mm-hmm. go back to that classroom. That person never physically put their hands on me, but they've made that space unsafe for me. And homophobic slurs, transphobia, um, you know, different types of sexual harassment, comments that are posted online that target someone's gender or sexuality have huge impacts on students. And so when we use the term sexual violence, it's to welcome survivors of all experiences to access supports. Um, and it's not saying that sexual assault and um, other physical acts of sexual violence don't fall under that umbrella, but it's also to open it up and, and be more inclusive so that survivors see themselves because it's already so difficult to reach out for support. And a lot of times, Hannah, I'll have students come and sit in my office and say, I don't even know if I should be here. I don't mm. know if what happened to me is bad enough for me to be able to get, take, get this support maybe I'm taking the spot away from someone else that had experienced a physical act of violence. My message is always to those students, if you've experienced any type of this violence, if it's had any impact on you, you deserve that spot in that chair. You deserve that support. Um, And so um, language is really important and really powerful. And we all get to decide how we use that. And um, I think from a support perspective, we, we try to open that up for students so that they, um, so that many different people see themselves in that, in that space and able to access that care.
0: Thank you, because I really just think that we could all use a refresher, that that's why that language is used. I wanna just shift gears a little bit because Um, As you mentioned, uh, the messaging that is going out right now is similar to what it would be around this time of year anyway, particularly because next week is Sexual Awareness Week here at Fanshawe.
1: So uh, what can students expect, Leah? So at Fanshawe, we take the approach of talking about destigmatizing sex in general. So a lot of the times when students have received sexual health education, Um, It's been about preventing reproduction, or the transmission of STIs. And it hasn't really focused on knowing your body and being able to express to someone else what you like and what you don't like and how to check in with others about what they like and what they don't like. And and to really center the experiences of pleasure and and sexual, um, sexual intimacy in all different forms. Uh, a lot of the information that we receive is really heteronormative. It isn't really inclusive. Um, it, it kind of can sometimes focus on like, penetration where penetration is an option, but it's definitely not the definition of sex. And so um, we take the approach that sex isn't a problem to be solved. It's a normal part of life that people should be prepared for to navigate in healthy, respectful and informed ways. And so Sexual Awareness Week is really about bringing in all different elements of sexual health and sexual pleasure. Um, that really is, it is what shifts the culture. Because if we know how to talk about sex and we know how to um, have those conversations with our partner, then um, it allows for um, an easier navigation of of consent. Um, The safer your sexual container with someone, the you know, the freakier or the better your sex can be. And I think that um, a lot of the messaging is that if you have to talk about sex, that that will take away from that part of it. Um, and so also just debunking a lot of the myths. So we'll have some some videos coming out from some of our service providers, we'll have some uh, sexual health trivia, we'll have events happening all week where students can engage with different parts of um, their sexual health, which is part of their overall health um, and pleasure and intimacy and all the fun stuff that comes with sex. Um, But just, um, I guess, through different kind of avenues um, that we can provide on campus, which is really cool.
0: It sounds awesome. I love Sexual Awareness Week every year. You know, I, I've, always, I've always wanted to ask you this question, and at a time like this um, where there's a lot of negative news about sex going on right now and then, you know, leading up to a week that is really focusing on the positives of sex and becoming, you know, starting to eliminate the stigma around sex, and I'm just curious to know, like, why this type of work is so important for you and and why specifically here at a post-secondary institution it's a big question Um,
1: the work is important to me um because I I really believe um and I have and I was really fortunate in, in my education to have a really wonderful mentor and to work within um the sexual assault and domestic violence treatment program where I found that that this work was my passion. And what I learned is that, um, sometimes survivors are portrayed as, um, obviously in, in there's a lot of myths around blame and shame and vulnerability, um, and looking at vulnerability and not the vulnerability is bad, but looking at people, um, is almost like as weak. Um, and survivors are really some of, um, most incredible people that you could ever work with um and i think that the passion that i see in students for change and advocacy not only for themselves but for each other Um, campus is a really exciting time because people are forming their futures they're deciding what are they going to do with the next phase and stages of their lives and come what comes with that is a lot of really fresh wonderful ideas for change and hope um and so i feel a lot of hope working on a post-secondary campus although there's a lot of we know issues that students face that are really specific to the age group um, that we predominantly see on campus such as sexual violence there's also a lot of um motivation for change and for advocacy and so um so on one hand, I'm I'm always very passionate about working with survivors um, because I, I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else. But it's specifically about working on post-secondary campus. It's um it's really the students, and that every year there is a fresh new group of students coming in with new ideas and um you know, a new student president who's who's really especially um you know, every year has new ideas, and, and this year with Ricardo, so fortunate to even with our pride events, like bring such awareness and a humanistic, um, I think, approach to the work that we do, and and so it's just um it's a really wonderful place to work. Um, I think every institution is going to have their challenges, but we're really just fortunate to work with student work with students and for students.
0: You know, it's something Ricardo said last time that I think you're speaking to as well, which is this idea that you can foster the kind of community that you envision for the outside world within the campus community. And then you give students the ability to take that community with them and, and bring it into the outside world. Um, I think that's super special. And um, you know, before I let you go, is there anything else that you wanna plug? Any? Uh, if, I know we just talked all about sexual awareness week. What's the next event coming up that students should keep their eyes open for?
1: Well, students should keep their eyes on socials next week. So the FSU socials, um, because we will be putting out Um, different TikToks and Instagram posts and videos um, with some of our community partners, which I think is a good opportunity to get to know what services are available um, in the community if London's a new community to you or if you've never accessed those services before. We're gonna debunk, um, I think a lot of the myths and stereotypes around testing for STIs, around um, breaking down some of those barriers for accessing services for sexual health. and then also just really, um, I think we have some trauma-informed yoga coming up for survivors. And I think that's a really important thing to mention. Um, you may not want to reach out specifically for um, confidential support or t- or other types of support at this time, but we are offering on September 23rd, a trauma-informed yoga session for survivors, and that should go up on social soon and students can email me to, to register.
0: Wonderful, Leah. Um- Anyone out there, please reach out to Leah anytime for any, anything, any support, any guidance you might need. Um, I have her email. I'm going to mention it at the end of the podcast, but for now, I just want to say thank you so much, Leah, for joining us today. It is always such a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Interabang podcast. Once again, if you are ever in need of support related to gender-based violence or sexual violence, please reach out to Leah Marshall at lkmarshall.fanshawc.ca. Pick up your copy of Interabang right now on newsstands. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to subscribe to our newsletter before October 1st for your chance to win up to $200 to spend at your choice of Amazon Canada, PC Grocery, Tim Hortons, or Fanshawe Retail Services. For the Interrobang, I'm Hannah Theodore.